Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to an exclusive episode of Mind Love. Today's episode is all about energy healing with Reiki. It's nice to feel your body, right? And to feel all the layers of your body. It's just, I think it's something we're not very aware. And funnily enough, I think we try to replicate it with technology, right? With Wi-Fi, we're connecting uh, through the internet. And, but the basis of Reiki is, is basically esoteric Buddhism. Like Reiki simplifies esoteric Buddhism. And the base of it is all interconnection. And it's funny because I think we shot it out from ourselves, but we actually replicated through technology, phones, Wi-Fi, text. That's why like, I think it's very instinctive in ourselves. We just need that interconnection as human beings. Today we're talking about Reiki. If you're unfamiliar, Reiki is an energy healing technique and it's said to work on the whole body, mind, and spirit. The way it works is a Reiki practitioner lays hands, as they call it, which really means they sort of hover their hands about an inch above different parts of your body for a given period of time. And in doing this, they help to move energy through your body or even act as a channel and transfer energy from themselves to you. It's definitely got the woo factor, which I personally love, but there have been tons of accounts of even the most skeptical people changing their minds because they can feel that energy shifting within their bodies. Reiki is pretty trendy right now, at least in California, but it's actually been around since 1922, where it was developed in Japan by a man named Mikao Usui. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> well, in most spiritual beliefs, our energy is responsible for a lot in our lives. So this type of energy healing can alleviate pain, reduce symptoms of almost any disease, promote relaxation, decrease stress and anxiety. There's a growing number of cancer patients that swear by it. And even hospitals like John Hopkins have started incorporating it and patients have reported faster recovery times. I got certified in Reiki 1 a few years back and it was a really cool experience. For one, because I could really feel that energy beneath my hands, and I just remember this overwhelming feeling of power and connectivity. And now that I think about it, that class was a pretty big catalyst in my own spiritual growth because it really helped me to understand how to work with the non-physical. It was one of the first times that I really felt connected to that unseen energy that drives us. So that's what we're talking about today. But what fun is talking about a physical healing modality on a podcast? So what we'll be discussing is how to take the things we learn from Reiki and apply it to our lives. Our guest is Natalie Jasper. She's a Reiki master with over a decade of experience. She's a graduate teacher from the International House of Reiki. She's also trained in Zen meditation and Buddhism. And she's the author of Reiki as a Spiritual Practice, an Illustrated Guide and the Reiki Healing Handbook. So three key things we will learn today are how to bring more awareness to the energies within our bodies, how to set an intention to hold space for someone else's energy instead of being affected by it, and some Reiki techniques that we can do on ourselves. And now let's welcome Natalie Jasper to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. 
So we're talking about Reiki today. I know some about Reiki, but not as much as I'd like. I did take a Reiki one class so that I could get the hands-on experience and kind of dive into it. So, But there was a lot in that class that I learned that I didn't really know before. So we're going to break it down for those who don't know anything. And so to start out, I would like to know what got you interested in Reiki and how did you start to follow that path? Well, I think Probably a lot of people who have taken a Reiki 1 or Reiki 2 class will have the same story. I come from a corporate background and high levels of anxiety, mostly advertising, a lot of insanity. I was starting to burn out. So I wanted a relaxation, a practice that will make me feel a little bit more balanced. And I got into Reiki actually through Google. I Google healing, relaxation and Reiki popped up. I took a class. I didn't understand anything the first class. Uh, it was very foreign. And so, but it, I just like the feeling. It's so for people who are not familiar with Reiki, it's basically um, meditation and hands on healing. So, we use the hands to bring relaxation to the body and also to rebalance the energy. And so, the first class, it was very convoluted. It felt very foreign. I'm a very practical person. I have like, I have a Spanish accent, but I'm from Belgium. So my brain is very Germanic and analytical. And then so, but I love the feeling. So I kept researching and researching. And I discovered it's actually a very beautiful practice with like some of the practices are based on centuries of Japanese tradition. And I just fell in love with it. So that was my story. And I still doing some corporate work, but now actually I do it with gratitude. And when I go too crazy, I just go and breathe. <laughs> I so love it's, that. It's nice. So what does somebody go to Reiki for? Like, what are the things that Reiki heals? What are the things that if I was feeling in my body or in my mind that I would turn to Reiki for? Oof, a lot of them. I think the main one basically is relaxation. So there have been a bunch of studies. It's very difficult to quantify the benefits of Reiki. Uh, one thing that it has been demonstrated, either because it's placebo, or there is really energy healing happening, or it's just because we just... You know, the touch is very healing per se, is that your nervous system goes from fight or flight to restore and rest. So by shifting your nervous system, your immune system gets a lot better. So that's like your whole body is a lot healthier and you can fight whatever sickness you have. Uh, you also sleep better, your digestion improves and your anxiety levels drop down. So it's a tiny thing. It sounds like just shifting your nervous system, but it's the key to actually to health. That is very important because as a Reiki practitioner, I cannot really say if you have a chronic illness, I can go and heal you. That is really overpromising. They used to do it in Japan 100 years ago, but you will have like four practitioners 24-7 with you, right? One hour Reiki is not going to do that, but it's going to shift your nervous system. It's going to bring you balance. And when you have balance and you're rested, you're clear, you know what steps to do, you know how to take care of yourself, boundaries become easier to establish. So it's like that tiny shift that brings a lot of changes in your life, both in terms of physical health. Uh, in my case, I specialize a lot more in the emotional side of things and the mental side. But it's just I've seen transformations that are quite incredible just because people relax. So that is the main thing. Another big benefit, a lot of us are very much in our heads. We're not in our bodies. And a lot of spiritual practices and energy healing practices are all about visualizing or things that are very mental. Reiki is really aligning mind and body. So you bring your hands and, you know, there is touch either from a practitioner or you self-practice like you're in Reiki one. 
So by using your hands, you touch your shoulder, you bring your awareness to your body, right? Energy follows the mind. So when you bring your hands to your body, your energy goes back to your body. It's not scattered on that neighbor that is driving you mad, right? Your energy is not scattered and worried all over the place. You bring back your energy to your body and you align mind and body using the hands as a bridge. And I found that very beautiful because a lot of times we're very disembodied and being grounded in your body, that's where the magic happens. That's where we store traumas. That's where we have the energy to keep on going, to create change. It's really being in our bodies and with a warm feeling. Yeah. It's very nice. Right. And it's so interesting because if you go to a Reiki class or you see a Reiki practitioner... It's interesting how much you can feel even when they're not touching you. And so just by the hovering of the hands, you can feel your energy moving, or at least I could. I don't want to make promises for other people. Some people aren't as in tune. What is exactly is happening during a Reiki session where that, you're, that you might be feeling? Well, that it's a lot of people, again, the science, they have been trying to do a lot of tests is very subjecting and it, it depends a lot on what people feel or not. Some people are very energy sensitive, some people are not. I think a good idea is tuning forks, right? That's a good example when you see two tuning forks, and I hope I'm saying that right. One of them is going very fast and there is a very one that is not moving. They both kind of like entrain and they have the same speed. So your energy, you as, for example, if you are my client, right, you come and you're probably stressed out. There is a reason you come to a Reiki session. So you want to be pamper. You're feeling a little bit of sorts. And when I practice my life, again, it's out of the space. I go into a meditative space where my energy is very calm. And I also have a wide range of energy. That means I have grounded energy. I have more heart center energy. I have different kind of energies or different spectrums. That will be a more correct term. And because of my meditative practice, I can offer that to you. And you can entrain and by yourself shift your own energy. Right. So I'm empowering you to do balance. And I think that's another thing that people are not very aware. When I give you a session, I'm not really giving you like manipulating your energy. It's a very open ended session. That's why Reiki is so gentle. But I'm offering everything that your system needs and your system takes what it needs to bring balance. So that's also why it's very important that practitioners per se practice a lot of self-care because you need to offer your clients a very balanced calm energy so they can entrain to that and just balance themselves and there was my I have a mentor like I believe in continuous training until you die so I have a mentor and he's training Japan with mountain monks and everything and they put some uh, circle that measure brain waves when he does Reiki sessions and it was very interesting because he was able to drop all the way down to delta which is absolute relaxation to crazy levels right he can do that just by body. So I think a beautiful experience of Reiki and a gift of Reiki is that you realize there is a little bit more than just flesh, cells, and bones. There is something going on that needs to be balanced as well. Right. It's so true because, okay, this is a funny example, but I remember the first time I learned how to contract my abs. I was like in middle school or something and trying to teach myself how to do crunches. And I'm like, oh, oh, there's like a muscle there I've never been using, you know? And then once I realized it was there, then I could start working it. And I think the same thing happens with our energy bodies. We're so used to distracting from it or ignoring it or uh, just overpowering it. I mean, we live in a world of constant stimulation. And so of course, it's harder to feel for a lot of people. But once you just 
make that intention and have some practices to start getting in tune with that, you start feeling it more and more. I remember when I was first understanding my energy body, I had been overpowering it with, I, when I was younger, I was prescribed Adderall for ADD for years. And I just couldn't feel so much in my body. I also had an eating disorder back in the day. Like I had been turning off my body, my connection to my body and my energy and living all in my head for so long. And so Reiki was part of my decision to want to get in touch with that and to develop a relationship with that. And once that awareness was there, I was able to start to grow it a little bit, if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And and for me, it was the same, right? Like I grew up in Latin America, so that's why for me, energy and like all the spirituality was more part of the culture, but I had never felt it, right? Sometimes when I'm practicing, I can feel like, things moving in the front or like it goes through my foot and, you know, I'm placing my hands on my head and it becomes normal. You become also more sensitive, but it's nice to feel your body, right? And to feel all the layers of your body. It's just, I think it's something we're not very aware. And funnily enough, I think we try to replicate it with technology, right? With Wi-Fi, we're connecting to the internet. And But the basis of Reiki is, is basically esoteric Buddhism, like Reiki simplifies esoteric Buddhism. And the base of it is all interconnection, right? Because that energy, we feel it first in Reiki 1, mostly with ourselves. As we advance in Reiki 2, Reiki 3, that interconnection is more present, right? You work more with people. Reiki 3, you actually do a ritual called attunement, which empowers people to practice Reiki. And it's funny because I think we shut it out from ourselves, but we actually replicate it through technology. It's, it, that's why like, I think it's very instinctive in ourselves because... You know, we try to replicate it everywhere, phones, Wi-Fi, text. We just need that interconnection as human beings. As an empath, I can relate to feeling drained in certain situations when I feel like I'm giving too much of my energy. And because of the nature of the Reiki practitioner kind of being that vessel for energy to flow, how do you make sure that you're not drained after all of your sessions and it's something that you want to keep showing up to? That takes a little bit of practice. So there is a couple of things. The first one is the mindset. So that you know, there are also many uh, Reiki lineages. So I'm more of the Japanese lineage. And the Japanese lineage has a beautiful mindset that when I offer a session, I'm not doing anything. We're both receiving the healing, which means I basically, it's and this sounds snarky, but like I'm paying to hold the space for your healing, but I'm also receiving the healing at the same time. So when you have the mindset that you're not giving anything, you're not getting tired or drained because you're actually just holding the space, right? And you're receiving as well as the person on the table. Uh, you just have the ability for the healing to happen. Uh, you do get a little bit high because there is a lot of spiritual energy. So what the, the other thing in Japanese uh, practice, there is a lot of mindfulness and meditations. So most Reiki lineages are really based on hands-on healing only, but there are some uh, deep belly breathing meditation that keep you grounded and they're great for empaths because one thing that happens with empaths, a lot of us, again, we open the centers from the head. If you work with chakras, that probably will be third eye and crown, um, but our root chakras are not very strong, right? Root and sacral. In the Japanese tradition, it will be heavenly energy and earth. So you need to balance your Reiki practice with a lot of grounding meditations so that you don't feel drained. And that as an empath, you're not getting all that information that drives you mad. Like and a lot of us, for example, we go into a room, we're like, oh, you know, we're like, there are some vibes that we just cannot deal with, right? We're overwhelmed or they feel, 
And I, I hesitate to call them bad vibes. We call them bad vibes. They're just different vibes from us. So when it's a little bit like when vibes don't match, we call them bad. They're just different vibes. We don't recognize them. They don't feel safe. We don't like them. We may be just angry vibes or like fearful vibes. We obviously will react. There are a lot of techniques that I'm happy to share with you one, like after that center, then they build your earth centers so that you can be a lot more grounded. And you're still being very sensitive to energy, but you're and I won't say protected, but you don't get overwhelmed or drained. So it's really expanding and going deeper into the practice and learning all the techniques for meditation that are on the side and they're not as well known because they're part of the tradition. And when uh, the lady who brought it to the States came here, she's like, oh, these people are not going to meditate like for hours like Japanese people. So she cut a lot of the meditations out of the original Reiki practice and she really based it on hands-on healing. The thing is, then we're also missing all the grounding that a lot of us empaths need so we don't go a little bit crazy. And as you say, a lot that's the question I receive the most. What, why am I feeling drained? Right? Because it's very scary. You just gave a Reiki session, you're making the person feeling super well, and then you feel like crap. And you're like, okay, what is happening? It's just a question of mindset and learning how to breathe with your uh, lower belly, your hara, which is your power center. Yeah, if you could share a technique, I know I have a lot of empaths out there because every time I do an episode on it, I get a bunch of people reaching out. I relate to this so much. So if you have anything, I can see that being really helpful, even in like Christmas coming up, you know, <laughs> a room full well, of people. I just as a meditation, as a corporate class meditation, so that, you know, I teach some of the Reiki meditations to like sometimes 20, 30 real estate executives. So, it, and they actually calm it, like they use it to calm down. I use it inside when I'm shooting and I'm happy. It takes five minutes. I don't know if you want to share it now or I can just send you the information later, whatever you prefer. I'm happy to guide you now to learn it. Oh, let's 100% make this experiential. I feel like I could use a little meditation and I feel like if I put this in there, everyone that's listening probably needs it just as bad because that's how the universe works. Awesome. So we're going to practice something called Joshin Kokiyoho. Don't try to remember that name in Japanese. In English, it's called Purifying Breath. And it's actually at the core of Japanese Reiki. And it's called Purifying because it grounds you so you can let go of fear and anger and you can be more clear in who you are. It has a bunch of layers, but I think for us right now, it's really about grounding and for empaths to be a little bit less overwhelmed. So the way, and I'm going to guide you through it, but the way it works is that we're going to do a mix of visualization and breath work. So we visualize a white light going through our nose and we inhale it, but following with the mind all the way down to your throat, your chest, and you bring it all the way down to your lower belly, like three fingers below your belly button. You hold it there, placing all of your awareness in the light in the lower belly. And then you exhale it out from every pore of your body, 360, to create a bright sphere of white light. So just, again, softening, still have a spine straight, meditation pose. You may want to close your eyes, place your palms facing up. And as you inhale, another thing you're going to do is you're going to push your belly out, hold the breath, and you're going to contract the belly towards the spine on the exhale. So now I'm just going to guide you through it again. So inhaling softly through the nose, this warm, loving light, following it with the mind down your throat, down your chest, all the way down to your lower belly, holding the light in that expanded belly, 
Exhaling, contracting the belly and sending the light out through every pore of your body. Softly inhaling the warm light through the nose, following it with the mind down your throat, your chest, all the way down to that expanded big Buddha belly, holding it there just a bit, contracting the belly softly, exhaling the light out into a beautiful bright sphere of light. And doing this for a few rounds on your own. Perhaps focusing on the inhale, noticing if there is a part where the light is flowing with more ease or less. And if it doesn't go all the way down, it doesn't matter, there's no right or wrong. You can visualize the light coming in through the nose, clearing all the extra energy of your head bringing it down your throat, down your chest, to your power center, the lower belly, anchoring that energy in your body, contracting the belly, exhaling that excess energy out through every pore into a bright sphere of light. And if you can, perhaps lengthening the exhale just a tiny bit, Making sure it's a little longer than your inhale. Allowing your system to relax. Perhaps even softening in the visualization a little. Really inhaling softly that beautiful warm light through the nose. Allowing your mind to follow it down your body, almost like it's resting on an elevator. Enjoying the light in the lower belly, the spaciousness. Contracting the belly towards the spine, sending that light out through every pore of your skin into that bright sphere of light. Just doing this a few more times on your own. Remembering there is no right or wrong way to do this. But if you get distracted, just bring it back to the breath. The healing is in the return. Just one more time, inhaling that soft, warm light through the nose, really enjoying it, going down your throat, your chest, all the way down to the belly, holding it there, exhaling out. And letting go of the visualization, keeping your eyes closed. Pretty normally and perhaps just noticing any shifts in your mind, your body. And slowly coming back into the room.
Ooh, I needed that today. <laughs> that was so lovely. You know, it is a lovely meditation. And when you start, you start with three to five minutes because if you do it uh, without any practice, you may get lightheaded. Ideally, you do that 15 to 20 minutes a day. I do it even with my eyes open. When we used to have a crowded subway here in New York where I'm based, and it was like collapsing, I will do it without closing my eyes, just following my breath down to the belly and exhaling. And it's amazing how basically you can calm down in minutes. Once I lost my bag in the subway, I had my dog, I had two bags, I was listening to a podcast, and I'm like, oh, my station. I get out, I have my dog, and I have a bag with something, but I don't have my bag with my computer, my phone, my wallet, everything went on that bag. And I started hyperventilating, but because I practice this every day, these breathing patterns kicked in. And five minutes after, I'm not kidding you, I did cry for like two minutes. Like I cried, like because I'm like looking at my dog, I'm like, what do I do now? And I suddenly started breathing like this. And after five minutes, I knew I was going to be okay, that I will get, computer was just a thing. I'll find my wallet. I'll ask for a new license. I'll just get them buy a new phone. I was very calm. And then I realized my phone was in the bag, so I called myself and the man had taken the bag and actually I got it back. Oh. But for me, the real gift beyond finding all my stuff that was like all my papers and everything was the fact that after five minutes, I wasn't crying. I'm a Scorpio, I'm very dramatic. I wasn't <laughs> crying on the floor of the subway. I actually was able to not be happy because I would be denial, but like I can deal with this. I can fix this. I can face this. And I love that. Again, I was going to advertising agency and we're going to a rough time. And the lady's like, how are you doing? I'm like, things are not great, but I'm fine. And I think that's, you know, we always try to control life and make it good, but life is good and bad and it's hard. And as we have seen during this beautiful 2020, but if we have a little bit of a tool that keeps us calm, that we can go through it and face it, even if it's little by little, I think that makes all the difference. And I think that Ricky practice for me offers a lot of these tools that they're quick, they're effective, they're very human, they're warm and they're gentle, right? A lot of energy work is really heavy handed and then you have to rest and integrate. This is something that little by little you can shift, but also you can have very simple tools, again, to use in the subway when you lose your bag, do not lose your bag. When nowadays for me, the biggest thing is when the Wi-Fi goes down uh, and I'm working, right? I'm either doing a workshop or a Reiki circle, how do I breathe and deal with it? And that for me is the reality of Ricky practice. It gives you tools to deal with that and, and be very centered. That is perfect for empaths. And again, I will start with five minutes and do it between at least 10 to 15 minutes a day. And after three weeks, you'll let me know how you feel. It's really life changing. I'm excited to start trying that. One thing I loved about it is the exhale. I've done a lot of breathing exercises, but it's usually exhale through your nose or through your mouth. And there was something that felt so magical and expansive about exhaling through every pore in my body and just that shift in realization was a different experience just having that intention which is just really interesting and I, I love how you say having an intention because at the end we're not really breathing through every pore of our bodies but our awareness is so the beauty of that is it's a very different technique it's actually I've only seen in Reiki practice for now because I also practice martial arts and there are similar meditations I love that big expansion right because it's also like I focus, I really go to the center of who I am, which is in my power center. But then knowing who I am, I expand, right? I'm like, I'm also free to expand as big as I want. And I love that meditation because of that. It has many layers of meaning. The ultimate meaning is I am the universe, the universe is me. And that's the ultimate meaning. So in Japan, every meditation has like 55,000 meanings. 
So the basic one is grounding, uh, especially for empaths. You can see that's protection of the base basically be center, but I love that you call that layer of expansion, that expansion, but anchoring your body that is so beautiful. So when you are actually being the practitioner of a Reiki session, you talked about just holding space, but a lot of times people come for a healing. And so I've always had the curiosity, are you intending to heal? Do you have an intention for healing or is it just trying to be a blank slate to hold that space? You're going to have different answers from different Reiki practitioners and also from different stages in the life of a practitioner. So some practitioners are more like, especially if you go for more Western, they're going to do chakra balancing and a more active energy healing. And that's the focus of their practice. The perspective, the original perspective of Reiki from the Japanese tradition is holding the space, but it's not a passive thing. It sounds very passive, but what I'm doing, the meditation we just did, Joshin, right? So when I'm in my state as a Reiki practitioner, that energy I expand is not just a very soft energy. It's a very dense, rich energy, right? And only that, there is a moment when you practice enough, there is not a separation between you and when you can see the energy of the universe. So that means I can bring and I can access a lot more energy than perhaps other people who don't have a practice are because mentally I'll drop the difference between me and the rest. So when I say holding space, what I'm saying is I'm allowing my client to really rest in a deep energetic space where they can find everything they need to do their own healing. The difference is I'm empowering this client to do their own healing because their system knows what they need, right? So if you're my client, you perhaps need, I need a little bit of grounding, I need a little bit of heavenly energy to really let go of that trauma I have on my shoulder. Like you subconsciously know what you need. Uh, I don't know what you need. Sometimes I don't even know what I need. I eat chocolate and then I get a headache, right? <laughs> what I create is the space for you that by yourself, you cannot do that. So. Imagine that there is a wall, right? And your healing is just above, on the other side of the wall. And you've been trying to jump on that wall and to see what is behind by yourself. And you can't, right? Because the wall is perhaps eight feet tall and you're five, seven. I don't know how tall you are. So I'm going for the average. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm taking you up and I'm taking above the wall. And so you can see what you need and get it, right? So it is holding the space, but it's not just I'm here as a passive person, I'm actually cocooning you in this very full spectrum energy so that you're in a cocoon and you can do your work and get everything you need. I don't know if you have seen those cyber movies where they put people in these glass cages and they regenerate. Okay, that's an exaggeration and a complete vocal dramatization. <laughs> but imagine that my energy is that cocoon, right? So I, and again, my energy is also a mislabeling because it's not really my energy, it's universal energy but it's dense and it's cocooning you. So the healing is your process. And I find it is also a very empowering because we're working together to do your healing. It's not me as a guru that comes and boop, I touch you. Because at the end, we're all accountable for our own healing process. We know when we're ready, we know when we're not. So the Reiki healer is there to give you a little nudge, to give you everything you need to do it and empower you to do it. But the healing is your own process. So sometimes we call Reiki practitioners as healers. We are really healing enablers. So language is a very tricky thing. The other thing is when you start in your practice and you feel a lot, right? You get very distracted. You're like, oh my God, I placed my hands and her chakra on the heart was like, oh, weird. 
So we get very excited and we lose a little bit of focus, but like we feel we're doing something. So it's also part of like as practitioners when we are younger, we feel we're doing more. As we advance in our practice, we realize how little control we have and that the main homework is that we bring that very loving, compassionate, non-judgmental, huge amount of energy to cocoon and allow your healing to happen without expectations. Because if I go to you, and again, I'm a Scorpio, which means I'm a little bit judgy or intuitive, whatever you want to call me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's it. She needs to rest. She need so if I already have, or if you tell me I want to balance my heart chakra, so we're already limiting the session per se, right? Like, okay, it's going to be all about the heart. So I have that brain limitation. So I'm not bringing my full spectrum of her energy. So we can talk. But if as a practitioner, I'm like, okay, she's aware that she needs some support on her heart area. But I still will let my energy flow everywhere. It may mean that your heart actually is because it needs support somewhere in the root or somewhere in your toe, right? So I'm not limiting my healing because of words of what we think is the cause. I'm allowing it to just be very holistic and supportive so that your higher self, as we call it, will say like, hey, I know it's the heart, but actually I want a lot of like crown and I want a little bit of like more this kind of stuff. So you have a more complete healing experience, not limited by what I think is right. So it's really dropping the self so that you get access to everything that you need. Does that make sense or did I go too esoteric? Sometimes I go a little too Japanese. No, I love the esoteric, so feel free to go there. (laughs) Um, No, it was great. What I visualized from that is that idea of the container and really creating that space around to contain the other person's energy for their natural healing because used to working with their energy bodies. I mean, so many of us have so much wasted energy just on the thought over here and then like this task over here and like whatever. And so we just are like spraying energy out is how I picture it. And so to have a place to go to have almost a container where it's like, nope, you're not going there. You're not doing this. You're not focusing on somebody else. This is about you and allowing your energy to do its natural processes. And what I love about that is there's so many things in the wellness space that's like, here's another gimmick. Here's another thing to look outside yourself for what you need. But I love about what I love about Reiki is that it's, it's enforcing or empowering the idea that you already have all of what you need inside of you. You just need to learn how to access it. You just put it a lot simpler than I did. And that's why I love your podcast. <laughs> because you bring it. But it's for me, Reiki is a very empowering, right? So I, like, it's not like you're going to become addicted to a Reiki practitioner and they're going to tell you what to do or not to do. Like, it's really about realizing, and you said it also beautiful, energy follows the mind. So when your mind is scattered all over the place, your energy is scattered all over the place. And that's where we're trained, that's where we're off balance. And also, how many times are we fully supported by someone who doesn't want anything in exchange from us? Think about it. Like, it's that it doesn't matter. You may be never seeing that Reiki practitioner ever again, or maybe you will, but you're fully loved, fully held, just you don't have to give anything back. You can just receive and be held. And I think that is such a rare experience, right? First, feeling your energy body. A second, being held. You know, it's such since we're babies, we haven't been held and nurtured that way. So I right. love that. It reminds me, one of my earliest episodes, I actually interviewed a professional cuddler because I thought that would be so interesting. And oh, she gave so- me a she gave me a free session and I love trying new things. And that's part of what I loved about living in LA is just 
all of the weird and out there classes and stuff going on and I dive right into them. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to this professional cuddling session. And it was with a woman named Faye and I thought it was going to be a lot weirder than it was, but I left feeling like I just got a full body massage just because it was cuddling with no expectations. You just rarely get, even in my marriage, I can feel the extra little grind, you know? I'm like, not right now. <laughs> so You did not want a cuddling session too. Oh, it's totally worth it. Highly I recommend it. I don't know if in New York, well, no, with the pandemic, probably with the <laughs> pandemic, they won't be cuddling sessions for a while. Oh, well, you definitely just have to find a black market cuddler. I'm sure they exist. <laughs> but one thing that I kept thinking as you were talking about this idea of holding space and allowing people to sort of recharge on their own, based on what you've learned as a Reiki practitioner, have you found that that translates into your relationship sometimes? Like when people are maybe emotionally dumping or when you're having intense conversations, has it changed the way that you've been able to almost like receive that information or experience that conversation? That's the first time someone asked me that question and it's, you just say like, wow, yes. Like it's it's an amazing question. And from now on, I'm like, I'm going to be reflecting on it. There are a couple of things. I used to be very codependent in my relationships. Very. Like I grew up in a codependent family structure. I was a total codependent best friend, giving more or less. Like with Reiki practice, codependency actually has gone out of most of my relationship. All the friends I've made after I started, and not, not the first two, three years, but like after I really got deep into my practice, they're very balanced relationship. I also have more, I always had like male friends, but now I have beautiful male friendships without any kind of tension, but that we're able to acknowledge that we there is love, which is a very strange thing to talk about between female and male relationship. My family relationships are a lot better, clearer boundaries. Uh, I also don't try to fix, I was a fixer. In my family, I was a fixer. With my friends, I used to be a fixer. I now have the ability to just listen to my friends without trying to fix it because sometimes we want to fix their problems because we don't want to assume their pain, right? It's not, sometimes we do need to go and help them, like buy them food, like there's some practical things we need. So I still do that. But now I can just listen. And I've noticed that that is more healing for my friends than me trying to fix them. So it's it's changed my life a lot. I'm also healthier because when I'm not able to give, I'm able to communicate. Like, I wish I could be there for you, but I can't without that fear of of losing that friendship and communicating without drama, but also being there when they need, because also I discovered I used to be all the time and then get resentful. Now, like, I also have the capacity to see, okay, this is important. She's been complaining for the, I have a friend, she's been complaining about the ex-boyfriend for 15 years and I calculated the hours and now she has one hour a month (laughs) because... You know, it's not going anywhere. So it's been life changing. And I think I never like noticed how clear that was. And I think honestly, my friends are happier for it too. Like the fact that I listen and don't try to get in and not judge, I'm just there. And then at work is very strange. People like it because I'm calm. Shit hits the fan. Like we lose a day of shooting. And sorry about the word. I'm like a full mouthed person. And we lose a celebrity and we have only one day of shoot. I don't freak out, right? And I also won't say like, everything's going to be okay. I have the ability to say, okay, we're in a bad situation. Let's see how we can solve it. And I think one thing we have to be careful with Reiki is sometimes we get into this happy way that Reiki is going to solve everything and everything will be happy after we start our Reiki practice. And that's that I notice a lot, like in some leaders, like, oh, I'll like, I'll heal the future and I'll make sure my meeting goes well. 
I think we're asking a lot of a practice. It's not a magical practice. So Reiki will help us stay clear, but we should not just go use Reiki as a spiritual bypassing, which sometimes happens, especially when we start because it's so cool. You know, so that, right. that would be my only caveat. My life is a lot better, but it's also a lot more real. Yeah, I feel like it's one tool in the toolbox. So relying on just one at any given moment is like trying to build an entire house with just a hammer. Like it's just not going to happen. <laughs> and so you need to refer to the other tools. And I have found that, especially in the earlier days of my spiritual journey, I almost every modality that I went to, my first reaction was to go so far in and to totally spiritually bypass. <laughs> and then I had to like even out. I even, I do that with anything. Like when I became vegan, I'm like so gung ho about it, telling everybody about why vegan is the best way. And then I kind of taper back and I'm like, okay, your lifestyle can be healthy as well, but I still believe in vegan. You know, like I just balance it out depending on what I go for. But I think part of it is just that passion and that excitement. And when you are yeah. inundated in something and learning so much about it, it's only natural to kind of splooge that enthusiasm on everyone around you. <laughs> that was a really odd word choice. But I am curious, what has been your most profound experience with Reiki so far? I like working with people with cancer. I, don't ask me why, but I like to work either with people who have a meditation practice, obviously a lot of people who have like advertising production careers and they need to relax. The one part that I work, I used to work, not anymore with the pandemic, was people with cancer. And I was offering a session to this man who used to be a very high executive, and he was having a very the last stage of lung cancer. And there is very little I can do for that person, right? So I just go and do my session, hoping to perhaps relieve a little bit of pain or ease in the breath. I go without expectation because, honestly, there is very little. And this man, I'm like, okay, he's a man who was a, like a TV executive, I don't know how much. And he was very kind and open to it. Like, you know, he was a wonderful client to work with. And we did the session and then he just sat in silence and didn't say anything. And I left. I'm like, oh, my God, poor man. I hope like he didn't hate Reiki forever. Right. Because I also when he's like, I don't know how many he many days he had left. The wife called me and he said he was stunned because he had never feel, felt so peaceful in his life. He didn't understand what happened he was moved to tears because he felt absolutely peaceful. So it is a very powerful practice. You know, it is a kind, loving, compassionate practice. And, you know, so I think it has everything. It has those tools to sometimes just, again, like I say, when I lose my bag, I can breathe. But when we keep it simple and we hold the space without judgment, just really with loving kindness, you know, the power of it is sometimes astonishing. Like, again, for a person like him to say, I've never felt this peaceful, like person who's close to 60 or perhaps even past 60, is such a gift, right? So yes, I didn't heal his cancer, but it was a beautiful gift. And it was a beautiful gift he gave me too, right? Because for me, it was very moving. So it's such a human, beautiful experience. So I think Reiki has the ability to be very much or very little when it needs to be. I love that. Well, thank you so much for all of the things that you shared and and just such a great conversation about even how we can apply some of the things that we learn in Reiki to everyday life. So for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and what you teach, where's the best place for them to connect with you online? Probably the easiest is Instagram. So uh, my in handle is dive into Reiki. And with my accent, I always don't say it as pretty as other people. So dive into Reiki, you can follow me on Instagram. I also have a website that is that same uh, name. 
You can also check for my name on Amazon, Natalie Jasper and Reiki, because I have a couple of books published. One is the Japanese with easy meditation. And if you send me your address, I'll send you a copy because it has like all the meditation from the Reiki side illustrated and with very easy how to. So again, if you don't want to do a Reiki one or Reiki two level, you can use some of those meditations to ground yourself during everyday life. The other one is about Reiki and chakras and is more Western. So you can just check for my name on Amazon.com, Natalie Jasper, or dive into Reiki Instagram. And I usually am very accessible. You can just message me and I'll be there happy. All of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash x25. So your challenge this week is to practice some of these Reiki techniques on yourself. Start to try to feel that subtle energy that's moving throughout your body. And this is a practice that can be done at any time, really. You don't have to sit there and practice the energy techniques or the Reiki techniques, although it is helpful, especially in the beginning. One thing I used to do when I was first trying to feel what that was like so that I could become in tune with that energy is I would do simple things like rubbing my hands together and then just slowly separating them apart and trying to see if I could feel that subtle energy between the two palms of my hands. Of course, at the same time, when you're rubbing them together, you also feel that warmth, you create that warmth, so it gives it a little bit more depth, which often makes it easier to feel in the beginning. But when you get the hang of it, start trying to do it without the rubbing of the hands together. Try it with a partner. Maybe close your eyes and see if you could feel when they're moving closer to you and further away. So there's all sorts of ways that we can start to get in tune with this. And once we do kind of calibrate ourselves to it, it becomes easier and easier to feel. What I also like to do is when I'm very emotional or when I'm triggered or something's happening, I will stop and tune in to the subtle energies running through my body. Not only does this help me become more in tune with myself and more aware of my own triggers, my patterns, all of that stuff, and it also helps me pick up on things that might have slipped past if I hadn't been practicing this type of awareness. So there are sudden little micro emotions that we have sometimes, or suddenly we'll realize we're in a bad mood and we don't even know what happened. Well, the more that we tune into our own subtle energies and our patterns and become aware of all of those little subtle shifts within our bodies and minds, the less that will slip past our awareness. And let me know how it goes. Reach out on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. Or if you loved this episode, take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me. To all my subscribers out there, you're my favorite people on the planet. I absolutely love you. I hope you're all staying calm and stress-free or at least experiencing some major growth through the stress of a 2020 holiday season. And as always, thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week.